the voice of reason, the voice of alarm, the voice of stats, the voice of scouts, the voice of Kool-Aid, the voice of dismay, the voice of Davo. Well, it's a tough night for the boys in blue as the Mets take advantage of a lack of command from Jordano Ventura, winning game three at City Field by a score of nine to three and making tomorrow a pretty interesting matchup and a very important one for the Royals. More of that coming up as it's Davo glides you along on this rainy night here in KC for another edition of your dish both around the Metro and worldwide here on clubhouseconversation.com, on the iTunes, on the Twitter, at Royals Clubhouse, on Facebook as well, Clubhouse Conversation. And you better believe we're going to get into games four and five coming up here in a bit. And we're also going to get to a lot of harsh criticism that Ned Yost faced tonight on social media, and if we agree with it or not. But first, the player of the game tonight, And not real easy to find a true player of the game in this one. None of the pitching for the Royals was effective except for the guys who threw one inning or less. You look at guys like Danny Duffy, Luke Hochever. Outside of that, not too much going on on the pitching side. Chris Medlin was good as well in his inning. And offensively, I mean, your player of the game, it goes to Salvador Perez. Only two Royals reached base twice in this game. Salvi had a walk plus a hit, one for three with a run. And Alex Gordon, the only other Royal to get on base twice, he was also one for three with a walk. So Salvi, by virtue of being one of only two guys to get on twice, he gets the run. So I just give him the player of the game. Not to mention the guy's been taking a beating and been the leader and a trooper throughout these playoffs, especially going back to that Houston series when he was sick. So Salve is your player of the game, but offensively for the Royals, let's start there. Just one extra base hit tonight, and that was the first inning double by Ben Zobrist. Royals overall leave five on base, two for five, which is not horrible with runners and scoring position. There's not too many chances tonight for the Royals to extend rallies and put points on the board. Although the Royals did, though, early look like they would make it a short night for Noah Syndergaard. And what would you think of the first pitch of the game coming up and in on Alcides Escobar? Coming within, I don't know, what, six inches of his head? Over the catcher's head all the way back to the backstop. Thought it was a little bit over the top by Syndergaard. I got the point. I wouldn't have been uh, so anti-against it had the ball not been in the head region. And I'm not trying to turn into a Brett Lorre here. That ball was closer to Escobar's head than the one that Brett Lorre claimed almost hit him in the head. That was at the shoulder length, sort of level. And that ball was closer to Escobar's head than the one to Donaldson, where Donaldson threw a fit in Toronto. So I don't want to turn into guys like that and overly whine, but it's pretty obvious in the first pitch of the game when you tell in the press conference yesterday you've got something special planned and a, a, a trick up your sleeve for Escobar. When you go first pitch up and in and almost hit the guy, throw it over the catcher's head. A little bush, I think, by Syndergaard, but I appreciate the point, I suppose. I guess it depends what side of the argument you're on, but definitely a little bush leg if you ask me. But I did like the Royals. You know, you saw them bonding together in the dugout, as you'd expect. And I liked that the Royals didn't retaliate in this game. Although, you know, later on, first A-B against Ventura, he gets down to Syndergaard 0-2, hangs a slider right over the middle, gives up the base hit. You almost wish he would have just drilled him, saved a couple of pitches there and not given up the hit, right? But as it was, I'm glad the Royals kept their composure and, you know, whatever. Just beat the Mets and let them, you know, respond that way, I guess, right? So the Royals, two hits and a run on that first inning. Then in the second inning, four hits and two runs. You even had Nice up in the Mets bullpen. You just about darn near got through the first time through the order. Send a guard out of the game. Four hits and two runs in the second. 
The Royals had Syndergaard at 38 pitches after two, up to 65 after three. So 18 pitches, 19 pitches an inning, the first two, three innings. They were doing great, had three runs on the board. But from that point forward, he made adjustments. He settled down and held the fort. How do you do that? Relied less than the fastball. The fastball was impressive, 98, 99, especially those first couple of hitters. Man, didn't get too many calls. I will say that. I thought the umpire squeezed him a bit, especially in the Zobrist at bat. Looked great with that fastball, the first couple of hitters. The Royals, of course, began squaring it up. And then he made the adjustment of going to his secondary pitches, closer to half and half, and that made a big difference. So overall, Syndergaard goes six innings for the Mets, yields three runs on seven hits. He strikes out six, which is impressive. The first Met to do anything as far as strikeout numbers against the Royals in the series. So six Ks, two walks for Syndergaard. As I told you after game two on our dish, I wanted three runs in six or seven innings off Syndergaard. That's what I said the Royals should aim for, and they got that. They got him out of the game well over 100 pitches after six innings. So overall, you can't be too upset with the Royals tonight. They exposed some weak New York Met defense again. A double play ball wasn't made that was led to a run. You know, so I mean, there were some things out there that Casey did that were good offensively early, but you got to give Syndergaard some credit. I thought it was more about him than it was about the Royal hitters tonight. I mean, the Royals are playing a darn good team. And one thing I notice in this day and age, I mean, it's always been, what have you done for me lately? with any sport, but especially with social media where everyone's got a voice and it's so easy to have that voice heard you got to remember, it's not always your team that loses the game. Sometimes you get beat. I mean, let's give the Mets some credit. If we're going to sit here and take all the credit the first two games and say the Royals are great fastball hitters and pound into pitches, the Mets are probably saying we're getting too much of the plate. We're throwing too many fastballs. The Royals, meanwhile, are saying we beat them as far as fan bases go, I'm saying. If you're going to take all the credit when you win, you got to give some credit when you lose. So credit to the Mets tonight. I thought Senegard pitched a pretty good game overall. Ventura, on the other hand, did not multitudes of mistakes tonight. Missing up consistently. And very interesting, he did the same thing, did Yordano, that we saw against Toronto where the velocity came down a bit. You saw him 97, 96, 98 once in that first inning. But outside of that, after the two-run home run to David Wright, it was almost like after that first inning, the Royals said, Yordano, remember against Toronto, you were down in around 94 and 95. Remember how your ball moved and how well you did? It was almost like they turned him as, I believe, was it for Ducci or Reynolds? Somebody pointed out in the broadcast tonight. It was almost as if the Royals told him, you know, become the pitcher again. Rely on your movement. Which, on one hand, is good. But on the other hand, I suppose it's kind of an odd time to do that in the World Series, maybe. I mean, I'm assuming and hoping that's why Ventura's velocity was then down to 92 and 93 the rest of the game, as far as sitting. I hope that's why. And I'm assuming it is. We didn't get much of a chance to find out. Ventura didn't go very long. But, I mean, he gives the lead back right away. Two hitters in, you're already now down 2-1. to one. So that's the first deflating thing, the fastball up that Wright was waiting for, and he crushed it. Casey comes back and goes ahead 3-2, to two, but then two innings later, Ventura gives away another two-spot, highlighted by that home run from Curtis Granderson, who's been killing the Royals in the series. And then for good measure, they get another run due to the Mets off of Ventura in the fourth before Ned gives the pretty quick hook tonight, didn't he? To Ventura, going to Danny Duffy to face the left-handed pitcher. After Ventura gets the out, he goes and gets Duffy with one out in that fourth inning. That means Giordano's line is three and a third tonight. Five runs on seven hits. Only strikes out one. Not good. Seven hits and three and a third. Five runs. Not good from Ventura. And Duffy throws just 10 pitches. as a nice job in that fourth inning. So let's get to the question. And I do think it's a fair one. I do think, before I answer the question, I do think there was a bit over the top 
negativity tonight. I mean, guys, come on. It's okay to be frustrated and ticked off and be depressed by this loss. You've been waiting two days. You've been waiting 29, 30 years for a World Series now. But, I mean, come on. You're still ahead in the Series 2-1. to one. Did you really expect the Royals to sweep this series? Come on. It's not that easy. The Mets are a World Series team. And the Royals have been red hot. They're going to lose some games. They, they, they get beat. The Mets beat them. You know, we, it is possible for our team to lose a baseball game without Ned Yost blowing it or, you know, or the other team just to have a good night. And I give a lot of credit to the Mets lineup. Some of those pitches were on a tee from Ventura, though. But some of the questions you get. So, you know, at Royals Clubhouse, why not go longer with Duffy? Especially that early in the game. Fair question. That's definitely a fair question. My answer to that question would be, and we heard that Edinson Volquez expects to be back tomorrow and start on Sunday, but you never know. Is he going to have visa issues? Will they get there in time? How will he feel when he gets to New York? Has he been playing a catch? Has he been doing stuff on the side when he's been gone? Has he been working out, throwing? Where's he at? I mean, I'm assuming he's starting in game five because obviously Cueto's going in game six and you're not waiting until game seven to throw Volquez, not to mention that's Ventura's spot, especially after not throwing that many pitches tonight. So he's throwing game five, 90% chance. But I'm assuming Ned, on the 10% chance, may want to start Danny Duffy that day, especially because at that point, I'm also assuming Ned said, okay, Duffy, we got a couple of lefties coming up here. Syndergaard and Granderson, they're both lefties. So Duffy, you know, so Ned got the Royals out of that inning, still only down two with Danny Duffy. Gets the two lefties. I'm sure Ned says, okay, now I got him for either a slight chance of my starter on Sunday or he's my long guy. Tomorrow I need Medlin because Chris Young just threw, what, 54, 58 pitches last game just a few days ago. So Chris Young, you know, what, one day less than normal? So Chris Young should be 85, 90% fine tomorrow. Should be able to go 80 to 90 pitches tomorrow. But I'm sure Ned thinks, okay, I want Medlin potentially for two or three innings tomorrow. I might want him as my long guy if things fall apart. So I think that's the thought process with Duffy. You get the two lefties, the left-on-left matchup. The next inning, you've got right-left-right. When you look at right, literally David Wright batting second. Then you've got hitting third, of course, Mr. Murphy. And then you've got Cespedes. So I think he says, okay, Duffy gets the two lefties. Let's save him now. He's 100% for Sunday, and I can still use him tomorrow if I had to. That's my thought. You know, and plus he was coming up to hit there. Now, with that said, another question, why use Raul Mondesi? Well, the obvious answer is the Royals want to get back in the record books. First ever player to debut in the World Series, right? I love that he's 20, by the way. First game he plays in the World Series. His poor dad puts in all that time and never makes a single World Series. The real reason, of course, that's not why the Royals put him in the game. I mean, it's odd in the first place he's on the post on the World Series roster. The fact that you didn't give the guy a September call-up and then put him on the World Series rocker, uh, roster is bizarre. Because there were other guys, of course, the Royals could have put as their utility infielder in the playoffs. Could be Chesler Cuthbert. I know he doesn't have the speed that Mondesi has, but he has proven he can hit at least a little bit in the big leagues. Much more polished player, has already big league experience. You know, there's also guys you could look at who maybe are closer to the big leagues. I think there's no doubt Whit Merrifield's bet is much closer. But the Royals don't want to waste a 40 spot there. So that's a different question for a different day. Why did they go to Mondesi? I thought it was a bit odd. They're not going to hit Terrence Gore, and Terrence Gore can't throw. So they didn't want Terrence Gore on the World Series roster in an NL Park because he may have to hit. They thought Mondesi had more upside in the bat. So I understand Mondesi over Gore, but it's a bit odd to me not Cuthbert over Gore because you've already got two run, runners on the bench in Orlando and Dyson. And it's a little odd to me, even a guy like Whit Merrifield, though he hasn't been playing. So I'm just thinking out loud here. It's, it's a bit odd that he's on the roster in the first place. With that said, why did they use him? Well, let's look at it. You're at the top of the fifth inning at that point. You're not going to have... 
Kendris Morales lead off that inning. You're not going to use Paul Orlando quite yet because he's your defensive replacement. At this point, you're only down two. You think you're going to come back and win the game. So Orlando's out. You're not going to use him. Morales is out. You're not going to use him. Butera's out. You're not going to use him. That leaves you with Dyson, Mondesi, and Cologne on your bench. Cologne you're not going to use because he's the guy you may need later in the game in case of injury. What have you? He's the, the you don't want Mondesi doing anything more than swinging the bat one time there. So I understand not using Cologne. Obviously, Butera is the backup catcher, and Dyson. I don't know. Yeah, you could use Dyson there. That was a bit odd that maybe they didn't go to Dyson there because they seem to only be using Orlando off the bench in this series. You're not going to pinch hit. I mean, I guess maybe they just in case they have to pinch run for Gordon late in the game is probably the reasoning. So I'd, I'm not totally anti the Mondesi move there. It was a bit odd to answer your question. To me, I would have probably gone Dyson, but Mondesi makes the second most sense there. Because you're not burning Gutera there. You're not burning Morales there. You're not burning Orlando there. That leaves you with just pretty much Dyson or Mondesi because you're saving Cologne as your top backup infielder if you need him for defense and more bats. That's my thought there. But yeah, Duffy hitting in that situation probably... Doesn't have that much. I mean, Mondesi doesn't have that much better of a chance of getting on base than Duffy right there. Duffy's a decent hitter, and Mondesi, if you look at his double-A numbers, not spectacular. I mean, good for a 20-year-old. Very young for the Texas League. Huge upside, but obviously not ready for the big leagues. Nowhere near it. So, a bit odd there. But that's why I think Ned did those two things in the fifth inning. Now, Luke Hochever comes in. Give Ned credit. You know, he gets Duffy in right away. People including myself sometimes, have said maybe sometimes Ned is a bit lax in going to the bullpen. Maybe it takes him a while sometimes. So now he did quick, quick hook. That's what you've been wanting, right? He did it. Got the left on left. You clamor about matchups. Later on, we hear that Morales shouldn't have faced, Franklin Morales, that is, shouldn't have faced four right-handers. And maybe in retrospect, that's correct. But he used the matchups there to his favor, so give him credit. Brings in Luke Hochaver, who's been borderline dominant in the postseason. Luke, a scoreless inning, allows one hit, strikes at two. So he gets the Royals, does Ned through the fourth and the fifth with using two of his better bullpen guys. And we hear, well, you know, he doesn't use his better bullpen guys in the high-stress situations. Well, he kind of did there. He used Hochaver to get two, three, four, five in the lineup, and he used Duffy to get out of the runners on base in the fourth. Now, in the sixth, this is where people had the biggest problem, I think. Next to, next to Duffy not pitching longer, the biggest problem people had was Franklin Morales coming in. Okay, you know what? Franklin Morales hasn't pitched much, but during the season, he was one of the Royals' best relievers until September. He's on the postseason roster. You have to use him if he's on your roster. you got three games in a row. Especially down 5-3 in the six. You can't just assume you're going to win this game. And the game may go extra innings. So you want to burn through all your guys, Herrera, Matson, Davis, and the 6-7-8-9 there? What do you do extra innings then? Then your bullpen's completely torched. You have to, and yes, it ended up being torched anyways because Morales didn't do his job. But that's not Ned Yost's fault. Franklin Morales is on the postseason roster. That He's on the roster. You've got to play him in a game like this. This is why he's on the roster. He has pitched in the postseason in the Toronto series. Albeit not much, because the Royals haven't needed him much. But he's there for a game just like this. Now, he didn't do his job tonight. But that's not Ned Yost's fault. Yes, he maybe you could argue didn't put him in the best situation. Maybe you uh, you want to be... Maybe he goes to Matson there. If you know Down two, Matson's been struggling. Maybe Matson with all those right-handed batters is where he should have gone there. Uh, if you want to argue that, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. But I don't think it's completely on Ned Yost to use Frank Lamarras there. I don't think it's completely a horrible decision. You've got to... I mean, Matson struggled, too throughout the postseason. But, you know, Morales did come unhinged there in that sixth inning. Darno grounds out, the catcher, and then the single to Juan Lagares, the pinch hitter, 
the biggest of bad that inning is when he hits Wilmer Flores, does Morales, and then, of course, gets Juan Uribe, 2-2 count, fifth pitch, first to bat in a month, leaves one up, curve on the outside, 74, bam, opposite field single. That's a hit and a run. That's depressing. Then Curtis Granderson hits what probably could have been an inning, inning double play ball if Morales is quick. Makes up his mind right away, goes to second, back to first. That is a double play ball if it's instant. Instead, it looks like he has ants in his pants. He's doing a little fire drill, hopping around, looking at second, then looking at third, then looking home, then looking to first. By then it was too late, no outs. Is that Nedio's fault that his pitcher hits somebody, leaves a ball up to Uribe, and then can't field? Maybe it's his fault if you believe you shouldn't have put him in the first place, but why is he on the roster then? And what do you, I mean, you go to extra innings, you have to use them in extra innings. You can't burn your entire bullpen and all your long guys tonight. You've got two games the next two days. You know, you got Duffy, like I said, probably pitching on Sunday in one way or the other. You think Medlin's probably, you want, to, you want him to pitch tomorrow. Now he ends up having to go to Madsen to Medlin because Morales was so bad. He also had to use Herrera. So it looked bad. Yeah, there were some things that looked bad. If you just were watching the game casually, look at the box score, you might say, what the hell is up with that order? Why Morales before Herrera, Madsen, and Medlin? Why not Duffy longer? Why not Medlin? But there really is a method to most of this madness. I don't. You, a lot of people act like Ned's just closing his eyes and throwing things. And maybe he is. The Alcides Escobar kind of came out of the blue last September. That almost seemed like he was back then, but it's been working. Pretty much everything Ned's been doing for the most part has worked. There's been only one blunder, in my opinion, in these whole playoffs, and that was the Blue Jays going to Matson instead of the two, you know, the six out save from Davis. That's been the only thing to me that was maddening and bizarre from Ned Yost. Tonight was not really that bizarre. It just didn't work out. If Donovan Ventura does his job, none of this matters. You score three runs in this game, same thing you did off Matt Harvey. You probably win the damn game. If Ventura gives you six innings of three or four runs, you probably find a way to come back and win this game. If he does his job. If Franklin Morales could come in and hold the fort for once, okay, he's facing some right-handed hitters, but he's you know better against lefties. It's not like he can't get right-handed hitters out. He did throughout the season. Not as good of a clip. But, I mean, Ned did some things good this game. He goes and gets Ventura out quicker, gets the left-on-left left two times in a row, goes to Hoach for the 2-3-4 hitters. Isn't it kind of good that he went to Hoach there and not to Morales against the 2-3-4 hitters in the fifth? Just saying, I mean, it's not. let's not act like the guy. I mean, in the end, it looks awful when you have to burn through Herrera and, and, and uh, Medlin and Matson. But let's not act like the guy didn't at least have some reasoning for some of the stuff he did. And guys don't perform, it makes you look bad. Those are my thoughts, basically, on the pitching tonight and the managing. Give the Mets credit, though, on top of that. They hit the ball. They pitched well. They beat the Royals tonight. If we're going to say we beat the Mets, let's give them some damn credit. David Wright, huge night. Drives in four, two for five with a round tripper. Curtis Granderson, a home run. Two RBIs and three runs. He goes two for five. Darno two for four. The Royals just couldn't pitch tonight. Flip the page. You're still ahead two to one. You probably were never going to you know, sweep the series. That just wasn't going to happen. At the start, I said Royals in seven. And then I thought after game, th- uh, after game two that the Royals would win this series in five. I still think they will. I think they'll win tomorrow. Steven Matz, the lefty, goes to the hill for the Mets. The only lefty the Royals will see out of the rotation in this whole series. Just six starts this year. He's battled a torn lat muscle earlier. Had a sore back as the playoffs came closer. 24 years old. Second round pick out of high school back in 09 is Matz. What you need to know is he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't pitch much this year. He doesn't go very deep into games. He's had six starts throughout the regular season. 4-0 with a 2.27 ERA. 35 and two-thirds, 34 Ks, 2.27. Just like every Mets, Mets starter. Gets about a K per inning, but just goes about 
a little under six innings per start. So you've got to hope the Royals can get him out. Of, it's kind of the same goal for me tomorrow. Get three runs in six innings, get him out of the game, and find a way to make this a bullpen game and win it. you got Wade Davis fully healthy tomorrow. Herrera can go an inning tomorrow. Madsen can go an inning. Basically, everybody on this roster, except for Frank, well, he could even pitch. Morales could. If you're not saving Duffy for Sunday, I still think they are, but Duffy could come back in. The Royals are pretty good in the bullpen tomorrow. Make this a bullpen game and try to win. Chris Young going out, of course, for the Royals. And we know what he's done for this team, what he's meant to this team this year. I believe we'll see a similar game to what I hope the Royals get off of you know, the pitcher tomorrow. I believe we'll see five innings, three runs off a of young tomorrow. And then most likely, I don't know, I guess Medlin or Duffy or Hochaver starting there in the sixth inning, depending on what Ned thought. Now, I, th- you know, those are my thoughts on tonight. Maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear from you at Royals Clubhouse. Email me, Davo at clubhouseconversation.com on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes, like I told you the other night as well. I've got plenty of interviews with former Royals coming up. Got five booked at the moment. So, you know, weekly, when we'll, we'll keep talking current Royals the next week. But once the offseason gets here, we will still have weekly interviews year-round with all your favorite former Royals players and get back into the current Royals, of course, during the season as well. So tell a friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again late tomorrow night here on Clubhouse Conversation. Happy Halloween, and go Royals, by the way.